another episode of the Winging It Formula One podcast. We are here for the Portuguese Grand Prix preview episode where we will delve into some of the quite big news, but news that we kind of already knew um, uh, that's been announced in the run up to the third Grand Prix of the 2021 Formula One season. I'm Freddie Coates. Um, I will be your host for today. And joining me as other hosts for you today are Adam Dickinson. Who hasn't oh, taken hello. the cue to say hello? <laughs> and As Nigel Chu. We don't plan these. <laughs> Nigel Chu just booed himself, so um, it's it's already going incredibly well. Um, Adam, how are you doing? Sound like an air hostess. That's the point. <laughs> oh, and the, it's emergency exits. I don't know at the back of the plane on the left and right. Um, Life rafts are, I can't think of any podcast analogies that work with a life raft. But anyway, we need a life raft already to save this sinking podcast. Yeah, I'm good. Um, it feels ages since we did our last podcast, but it's only been a week and a day or so. Um, but yeah. Um, ages? No, it's been more. Anyway, I'm wittering on. Had a haircut since the last one. Although I had the haircut between recording the last one and it coming out. But now I have finally had a haircut and I... Um, no longer long-haired, which is good. Nigel, are you going to carry on the aeroplane banter? Uh, I mean, I don't really know what to say. Uh, I hope this podcast takes off. Hey, uh, do any nice. airlines have accents in? Does Aer Lingus have an accent in? Because Portimao is the only... Well, all the planes do. Got... All planes do. Planes have a, have a tail at the end, and that's like a little that's accent. True. Um, but yeah, Portimao is the only Grand Prix with a proper accent in which is great i mean you oh, know you sao paulo grand prix that's interlagos i mean in terms of the name yeah you know, but it's called the sao paulo grand prix it. yeah, it's called the sao paulo grand prix now isn't it yeah. no it's still called interlagos to everyone um you know say what you want about Formula Carlos, but they are overflowing with accents which is you know it's good and f1 has got a bit of a dearth and you know i think that's and it's the only motorsport name with a little flicky a on the top which is good so yeah speaking of accents let's hand back to freddie yes my received pronunciation accent strikes through the mire um we're going to get on to probably the biggest most effective bit of news that's been made official which we haven't actually spoken about on this podcast it's been sort of been getting pushed back for a long time and that's we now have no excuse it's the sprint qualifying um, race qualifying hour thing that's going to take place at three Grand Prix um, across the 2021 season, which is a change to the format, which is, you know, bold, a bold new, brave new world for actual experimentation in the format, which we people have been asking for, but probably didn't really expect this format. So we're going to do, a, I'm going to do a quick run through of the format for everyone um, in case you don't know about it. So, Instead of the usual knockout Q1, Q2, Q3 qualifying system happening on a Saturday afternoon after three practice sessions, the Saturday afternoon session is going to be a 100-kilometer race with a grid set by a usual qualifying session that will take place instead of pre-practice two on Friday afternoon. So the weekend's going to go practice one for an hour, qualifying. Then there's going to be some park firmware introduced then, but not or not full park Fermi regulations, there'll still be some work on the car to make practice too um, proper, um, but enough to make sure they don't just make 
uh, qualifying cars and then race cars. Um, so there's some correlation between that. Then after practice two on Saturday morning, there will be a hundred kilometer race, which is essentially a half, a third distance race. Um, to, and that will just set the grid for Sunday's race. So Sunday's full normal Grand Prix, the grid will be taken from the results of the Saturday race. Um, there are a few little um, tidbits in rules. Um, one, two, and three get three, two, and one points in the race to make it kind of interesting. Um, tires, sorry. Sorry, I was just saying it's stupid. Sorry, I'm getting, getting ahead hey, of myself. Hey, 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 you're getting ahead of yourself. You're right. <laughs> Rain it in. Rain it in. Um, you've um, you've got tire rules which are weird. So bear with me while I explain the tire rules. Speaking of the rain. Um, so you will have in um, normal qualifying, there'll be five soft sets of tires available only. So there's going to be no Q2 tire rule that we know and bear with and tolerate, not love. Um, so that won't be a thing. So for, for the race, there'll be um, presumably a free set of tires. Um, the Sunday race for the Saturday race, there's two sets of tires for the teams teams to choose freely. So um, you can get, I don't know, a medium and hard, or you can get two softs and who knows how the teams are going to play that. So there's some strategic element to it and whether you do a one stop or a no stop, that kind of thing. So we're only going to see that play out in practice and you don't really need to worry about that now. Just sort of let the teams do what they do with tires. But um, yeah, that's what's happening. That's that's sprint qualifying. I think Nigel doesn't like it, so we're going to go to Adam first. Adam, what do you think? Um, I to be honest, I'm reserving judgment. So yeah, I don't know. I think I like qualifying. I really like it in terms of how dramatic it is, and it kind of always tends to deliver on that drama. Um, so I, I, but I guess we'll start off on the Friday. But I don't know. I think. I think the, the biggest risk to me, I don't really mind too much about is it F1 or is it not F1 because, the you know, Liberty decides what F1 is now. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm just going to see how it goes. Um, I guess the, the biggest issue for me is kind of will there be too much repetition? Will the um, feature race, even though it won't be called that, probably kind of be devalued or, you know, I think there's that. And I guess they'll have to choose the circuits quite carefully which i guess we'll come on to in a minute because at some circuits the qualifying is the best part of the weekend for um for most races so i think for imola it would have been a 20 or 21 lap race um yeah so yeah i don't know to be honest i think i'm gonna wait and see and if it goes well then i think oh that's nice and if it doesn't go well i think oh that's a rubbish decision but i, I don't kind of feel really strongly kind of for or against it. Nigel, you do feel strongly against it. A little bit. Probably not. If you, if we no. had this conversation about two months ago, I would have. But like Adam, I have come round a tiny bit to it, but I still don't really see a point to it. I mean, what is the point of this? Is that rhetorical? Or okay. That's um, the question. <laughs> um, I think it's just to to freshen things up a bit. To give I mean, you know, it. it's it's officially a trial. It's it's not it's not you know it's not gospel. 
it's let's see how this goes who knows there may be changes to the format from the first one to the second one we don't know that that's presumably still open there are presumably still tweaks that could be made until then so i think i'm with adam sort of reserved judgment to be honest for me it's kind of like it's just an extension to the race it's just starting yeah. the race a day earlier um and then having two starts basically which is kind of interesting it's a touch of jeopardy because you have two grid starts um which will be fun i think you'll still have the hype that you will at the start of the race on sunday i think you still have the same i think you have an interesting level of hype for saturday that you wouldn't have had in the same way i think it really breathes life into friday definitely breathes life into friday with the qualifying mm. if you can if you've got the time to watch it annoyingly but if you can you've got a qualifying session straight away on the friday rather than two frankly tedious practice sessions and we're going to have a lot of setup decisions made from one hour of practice, which is also very fun. So I think there's, I think there's scope for lots of ingenuity and lots of interest from it. Um, but at the end of the day, it is just an extension to the race. It's not a reverse grid. It's not at all being should it shouldn't be at all mentioned in a similar vein to those kind of conversations, because what essentially it is is someone saying, "Oh, let's do a reverse grid because that will make racing way more interesting because there will be racing happening." And then someone's saying no, and they're saying, oh, what can we do? And that's why it's happening. It's like the only way you can get a change to the format is if it's completely meritocratic, and that's what this essentially is. Do you, do you think it is completely separate? Because I think it could pave the way. I think it might, you know, and this, this isn't kind of based off talking to anyone, or but it, it feels like it could be a step of, we'll see if Saturday races work or kind of having a, um, call it a race to decide qualifying first and then kind of that could be a stepping stone to having reverse grids later so you're not kind of going the whole hog at once um just something else i thought about is mm. i think the interesting would be audience like for qualifying i think it worked well if i mean it's obviously difficult because it's a global sport but if you could have qualifying the friday qualifying qualifying kind of in the evening after people have come home from work and whatever and it become like a friday night viewing I think that would work quite well in terms of that. But obviously, you know, and, and a lot of other sports do that. But obviously, you can't, you know, F, F1 is dictated by the light and just things that yeah. don't mean you can just switch switch a race from day to night like that. But I think that would be, I'd be quite interested to see if they did that. Or I guess for some races in the um, Americas, then it will kind of naturally be that anyway. So I think that might be fun. But I think, yeah, going to your earlier point about it being sort of a stepping stone to um, more, more experimental things, I think, yeah, it could well be. Um, I think the idea of um, a Saturday event will really, really peak interest on in viewing figures, you'd think. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Everything else is light um, sensitive. So it's kind of hard to to negotiate i think the main comparison we can draw is the daytona 24 hours this year had a sprint qualifying race so the grid was set by um people racing basically and that i mean it's entirely different in endurance because obviously the daytona 24 hours is a 24-hour race and so you have like an hour an hour and a half race to set that and that means it's complete sprint um which is a complete different ball game for endurance cars um to the race so if there's something like that, if you, if it completely changes the way the race is run and is a separate um, race, then the, I think there's interest in that. If you can have just absolute 
pure performance pushing like qualifying kind of racing if that makes sense whereas you have the um the sort of held back racing in the actual race i think there's a scope for that but it's it's it's, it's hard to manufacture that because teams will just race how they race i you know the first 45 laps of last year's british grand prix which was really boring that's what i expect these sprint races to look i expect very little overtaking very little action in cars two seconds apart for half an hour and it won't do anything. And why on earth are they giving an extra advantage to the top three drivers? I mean, they've already got a big enough advantage. So what, why did they need the extra points to get? Why, why, why do you think it will, away? why do you think it will just be boring races? Why won't it be if we're on because good there's no strategic and everyone's going to start there on is. the same tyres? But there isn't that. There is a strategic element because the two tyres that can be used are of anything they want. You're not going to pit. You can, though. That's the thing. You can. In a half an hour race, I don't see it happening. That's the thing. We don't know what's going to happen. Hmm? Like, you don't know. Maybe someone goes and starts on the hards and someone starts on the softs. Then it's it's tense and you don't know what's going to happen until the end, do you? But... This is the thing. It's got the over the potential of this. You can sit there being a cynic, but um, there's potential for things, and who knows what's going to happen. I mean, I I don't think it's going to mean there's no incentive for drivers to try and race. Drivers aren't going to sit back and say, "Oh, I'm in twelfth. This is cool." They're going to go, "Oh, I could be eleventh and try and be eleventh." Um, they're not going to be able to overtake. You don't need strategy. Well, then, 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 then if they're not going to be able to overtake, then just take that up with Formula One as a whole. That's not the sprint qualifying's fault. That's yeah, Formula One. That's, in, these, in modern F1, you can only overtake with a tire deficit or a strategical difference. You can't, if they're qualifying or a on difference pace, in car's pace. Yeah, but if they're going to be qualifying on pace, then the qual- there's more differences. Like, always go to plan for every single driver. We've seen that over the last few weeks. Qualifying doesn't go to plan. Races don't go to plan. Um, say you spin and you end up last. Say you crash. Yeah, it's, it, there's and, more and potential it's only- for jeopardy. I mean, I'm not saying that we have to rely on mistakes, um, but you're saying that, that cars need a tyre deficit to overtake or a pace deficit. Well, then teams will then surely try and get that deficit. Surely they'll try and do a strategy to make the car faster. You'll be going off one practice session for qualifying as well. So if you lose, you know, if a, tri- if a driver bins it in FP1 or whatever, or, you know, some teams absolutely nail their plan or whatever, you'll get that advantage as well to go into qualifying. There might be, there'll be a deficit there that maybe won't be down to absolute pace in the cars, but down to teams doing better in the chance they get to run on the track. Uh, I think I, I don't agree with that either, because we saw in Imola, in Imola last year, there was only one practice session. Yeah, but you're... Say. You're always talking about, you know, not going just off one example of something. And it's the this only is example. that case. Yeah. What else can we go off? Well, if it comes in, we'll watch it and then we'll see. But I think, you know, you can't... Uh, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I mean, they've done it the right way. They've, they've not introduced it for the whole season like they did for, or like they tried to for elimination qualified in 2016. They've done it the right way. I'll give them that. I just don't see many positives to it because in V8 supercars, they did, and our friend Will Holmes will know this, shout out to him, uh, they did this format called a 60-60. So they'd race for 60 kilometres, stop the race, and start the race again and do another 60 kilometres, and it was awful. So I I'm fully expect the same thing here, if not for it to be even worse, really. 
So yeah, I, I just don't. I don't. There's nothing drawing me drawing me to it, other than the free tire, other than the free tire choice on the Sunday. I quite like that. Apart from Are that, you, I don't see any positives. Do you just as a hypothetical, Nigel? Do you get excited for a Formula One race? <laughs> yes. Well, this yes. is just another Formula One race. Then look at it. You as get that. excited for appease F1 yourself with that. sessions. Because it's effectively taking up a practice session and replacing that with a race. It... I'm going to be. I like practice sessions. It's probably my favourite F1 work, or up there, just reporting on practice sessions. It's quite nice, more relaxed. You get to listen to the banter on BBC Radio, but you know, it's you can't replace for me replacing that with a I race. I I think you've both kind of persuaded me to like it more. I'm still. Yeah, I mean, Adam and I both started this by saying we're reserving judgment. I think we've come across more optimistic just because of your pessimism. But um, yeah. but I think F1, if you do want to employ us as hype men for this new system, then please get in touch. I'm on My Twitter phone number is... <laughs> Freddie's phone number is 07806. No, I don't know. <laughs> it's just an eight number. Know. That costs tons. Um, um, but yeah, just... I, think, I think, yeah, I'm, the... I'm going to be more interested in this Say it's Silverstone. We don't know, but say it's Silverstone. I'm going to be more interested in every day of that weekend than I would be, say, the Austrian Grand Prix beforehand, which is, say, um, a boring Friday and an interesting Saturday and Sunday. This is an interesting Friday, interesting Saturday, interesting Sunday. So I'm looking at this and going, for the whole weekend, there's more to this. I'm going to have, particularly for the first one, I'm going to be way more, probably judgmental, but um, way more interested in what's going on and there'll be so many new elements to get used to we as formula one fans get so hyped up and crazy about a driver sitting in a different car and that's because yeah, it's changing difference yeah exactly it's change it's difference and this is changing difference so let's embrace change let's let's not be stuck in the mud and maybe change will be terrible it, but it's not the right way to go about it nigel what's the right way to go about it you know you you both know my way about the format. No. The listener might not. <laughs> I, I, what I, I, what don't. I would do is have yeah. four or five different formats across the season, but not this format, but this one. Yeah, but what, what, what are the four or five formats then? Pitch us so the formats. You've got your normal format, as it is right. now, and then uh, say uh, international venues, I would have double headers where there's not many support races. I would change Q3 so that the cars so when, when you say double header, what do you mean? Do you mean over two weekends two, or two Grand Prix, like Formula E, yeah? On a Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Okay. I'd have okay. that because IndyCar do it as well. I would have so like qualifying in the morning. Three. Qualifying in the morning, yeah. race in the afternoon. Okay. Cool. Yeah, something like that. I'd change Q3 so that uh, the cars go out one by one, and so the top ten get a proper shootout, more sponsors, more TV time. We get to see each car's lap, get to see them on the ragged edge, because at the moment we only see half a lap or one lap of, of Hamilton or Verstappen. That's true. Uh, and then there's lots of tyre strategic things I'd change as well. So I've got a few different things in mind, but that's only if I have a kind of power, which is never going to happen. <laughs> oh, you know, mm. just keep, keep, keep your fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, like, there's, there's myriad of of changes that could be made and this is a gateway to changes hopefully and maybe something like you put forward there maybe we'll go to singapore in 2025 and have two races there 
maybe um, over one weekend. Who knows? But um, this think, is this, it's a start to change in Formula One. I I, I like that. I think I I hope that one of the going back to what I said at the start. I hope that one of the Americas circuits does has it, and that we get an evening Friday night qualifying mm-hmm. because it as a sports fan that is what I like. I think particularly Premiership Rugby, the Friday night game is kind of always. It's just a feeling, you know. You kind of like F one. You've got the feeling of you know in the summer and the European leg. You can just kind of relate to that. And as a sports fan, I do you know Friday night support is something that I like. And Friday night lights did very well as a book and a TV show or a movie. Can't remember, even though I've not watched the movie slash TV show. But yeah, I'd I, I'd love to see some Friday night F one qualifying. So fingers crossed for. Well, I'll be positive. It's not a reverse grid, and I'm happy about that. I'm positive about that. I mean, it's not fitting all of the cars with machine guns and nunchucks, but yeah, but lots of people like <laughs> that's something to be that's something to definitely be negative about. You can be negative <laughs> about them fitting them with machine guns. It's not F1 paintball in Formula a One. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to give you I'm going to give you guys two more questions on this. Um, first away. question, um, just on just general change for Formula One. What would you think about midweek races? Like you say, you're going about this Friday night. Do you think, I don't know, say you've got Monday night football, that kind of thing, or um, FA Cup Wednesdays and Champions League in the week. Do you, do you think it would be really cool to have like a Formula One week where you have like a practice session and then qualifying all in the evening and then you build up the week and you have sort of a festival atmosphere with like, I don't know, Thursday night Grand Prix? Well, that's a bit of what cricket does as well with kind of T20, especially mm-hmm. domestic cricket, T20. Um, I think that was my idea to solve the calendar um, problems last year just have all 21 <laughs> scheduled races in like three months so they'd just be like <laughs> you just have like a race on Sunday and Wednesday every week until like October or November it's a bit um, like a residency I think yeah if it was in the summer holidays I think that would be quite quite good mm. do I I don't know how much it'd add actually thinking about it I kind okay. of don't it's less. It's more like sitting at home with a beer, watching the Formula One, rather than coming in and having it before your Sunday lunch. That's more how it, I would see it. And it's trying to. I don't try. I think lunches I, or drink beer, so neither of those. Oh, fine. Having cider instead of your chips. Um, <laughs> um, it's it. What I'm getting at is kind of like taking Formula One from that um, Sunday afternoon watch with your granddad sport to um, more of like a cool like bar kind of sport. Either. No, I know, but you know what I'm saying? From that kind of like um, sort of mm. quite pedestrian Sunday afternoon to a more exciting midweek kind of prospect. Does, does that sort of ring true with you guys or am I am I barking up the wrong tree with this proposal? I, th- I think the, the reason kind of football and NFL and whatever that, you know, cricket and those sports that you've listed work is because like football, you've got Monday night football after a weekend of, play and I kind of think that's I think to me that's how it works you've kind of got a bit in the week to like Mm. get excited for or split it up or it kind of spreads across more weekends uh sorry more you know like spreads across more of the week whereas F1 I don't think it would really work like that unless you've got kind of like a triple header of a race on Sunday a race on Wednesday and then a race on the next Sunday that might be quite fun um or Berlin Formula E they did yes. um, that kind of thing. Work well. <laughs> no, everyone I, I, was shattered and was going to yeah. die. I thought it would, didn't 
Yes, I was shattered. <laughs> and I was just writing qualifying and race reports and the odd press mm. release report every now and again. I was absolutely shattered yeah. after doing, I think it's like, I don't know, about 20 articles in about five days or something. But Yeah, I, I, I kind of don't know how much it would add if it was kind of on its own. I think if you had kind of, yeah, like a week of F1 with three races and that would be quite fun. But I think that's what, that's my thoughts. But- my quick answer is it depends on the gap between races because mm. you know me, I think there's too many races anyway. So, mm. you know, it kind of depends how, how big of a gap there is in between the races. Yeah, it's a bit NASCAR playoff and that kind of thing. Yeah. A bit like super festival kind of thing. Like, unless you do like big gaps and because every Grand Prix, they want to be a Super Bowl. They want to be an event. But if you have so many, it, it um, liquidates that possibility. So kind of if you do cram them around, make them a bit more spread out then it makes formula one much more of an event but also means that as a podcast we have less to talk about in some weeks so you've got to weigh it up and i think formula one are weighing that up i think if there was a secondary f1 series not f2 but kind of another like a championship to (laughs) f1's premier league i think that would work so you could have like the kind of tier two race with like nico hulkenberg in like 20 Nico Hulkenbergs <laughs> on Wednesday or Thursday. And then that would like lead into the F1 weekend on the on the actual weekend. I think that would work. I don't think Formula 2 or Formula 3 would be able to carry it on their own. Or if you go, if you know, if you pair it with another... It's essentially that though, isn't it? It's, mm. it's essentially a Formula 2 um, in all but name as Formula 2 is called now what it is. But it's essentially a, a second class series that's there mm. for more exhibition kind of... On the, in the yeah. week, and it kind of would it would take away from it a bit, to be honest. I would think with that. Um, the, the the second final question I'm going to ask you is, um, what tracks do you think this is going to be at? Um, the tracks that were floated as the rumours over the past um, past few months have been Silverstone, Monza, and Interlagos. Um, there seems no reason for that not to take place, apart from there are a lot of rumours about some of the um, America's Grand Prix in October, November not necessarily taking place, such as Interlagos. Um, Mexico is one that's there's a still question marks over. I'm not sure about Cota having question marks, but um, but it's still obviously you know global situations dependent. So just quickly, tracks you want it or tracks you think? I think uh, Cota for the Americas one, and then yeah, the other two European ones that you mentioned. I think it would work well at Cota as it would into Lagos actually because they're all all three or four are good tracks are overtaking and you would be able to mix it up um and as you say america's got you know kind of less standard um weekends kind of motorsport weekends across all their series anyway so i think that might be quite yeah i think kota would work well but yeah i think it's, it's you've got to nail the track like if you do it in Abu Dhabi or paul ricard people are going to be shooting their tvs well if it's a good format it should work at any track that's my answer Go away. F- well, F- um, F1 is a good format fundamentally, but it doesn't work at every single track. Format or formula? It's about formula, good format, I think. Um, so I think I think I would like to see it at Red Bull Ring at Austria, but um, I don't think yes. it's going to be there. Um, or Bahrain. Or Bahrain, but we've had Bahrain. Um, yes. <laughs> which is kind of more generally. More yeah, ex- yeah, generally. Existentially, I think it would work well at Bahrain. From an existential perspective, it's not quite at Bahrain, but it could be there. Who knows? Bahrain Alta. <laughs> How many laps? <laughs> that could no, be, that it's could a sprint race in itself. Yeah. Mm, I yeah. think 
we'll talk about if the Americas drop off in in a, in in due course. But yeah, I mean, like Nigel says, if it's a good format, it will work. And we don't know if it's going to be a good format yet. It's obviously decided by committee. So um, we'll see how it goes and watch this space in two or three months' time. So now we're going to talk about um, a few little calendar bits of news. Um, Suzuka, the Japanese Grand Prix venue, has had its deal extended for another three years. We're going to have Japanese Grand Prix there until 2024. Um, yay! Yes. I think yeah. Suzuka's a weird one because I kind of... I don't enjoy driving it on the game and it's kind of... <laughs> but I think it's never kind of sprung out to me as like, oh, a classic track. Like, oh, I really like Suzuka. But it's just... Nice. It just feels like a really like a cornerstone of F1, and it just wouldn't like the Japanese fans are incredible, and you know you sometimes get um, weather mixing things up there, and you know we have had good races there over the years. So yeah, I think it it's it just feels like such an integral part of F1, and to um, yeah to extend that for another few years is very good, and hopefully looking forward to more good races there. I think it could be quite an interesting one this year as well with where it is in the calendar and it could be quite a crucial one between Hamilton and yeah. Verstappen. Yeah, definitely. Much to know on the grid as well. Uh, yeah. That'll definitely add to something. But yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Suzuka. absolutely love the track. Yes, the racing hasn't been good in the turbo hybrid era compared to perhaps before. <laughs> but as a track itself, I think it's arguably the best on the, on, on the calendar. Arguably. Suzuka. Yeah, as a track, it's Suzuka. Um, <laughs> Suzunoda. Can think of a lot of these. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I, I just echo what you guys have said. Um, it's it's it, it's a track of history in Formula One, obviously, with all the Senna stuff, with the Raikkonen drive, um, um, which is kind of thing you get if there was a reverse grid, Nigel. But anyway, um, on, not on, to reopen that debate. Um, I think the, Suzuka just a grand track. It's just really good. I, I was listening to the Beyond the Grid with Kamui Kobayashi yeah. and Tom Clarkson said when there was a story that when Senna was at the height of his fame, then he had to get a helicopter from the like hotel to track the, hotel, yeah, to, yeah, from the track hotel to the paddock, yeah, because he would just be completely mobbed if he tried to walk through, you know, walk the hundred yards or whatever it is between them, which I just think is incredible. It is one of my favourite F1 stories is um, Kamui Kobayashi's podium at his mm. home Grand Prix. That is one of the most heartwarming F1 podiums there is. Um, and who knows, if we get a Sonoda podium at Suzuka in the next couple of years, that'd be grand. It, it um, feels like a bit of a time capsule in F1 to me. It, it, that's it, a good it way still to describe feels it. like an old race. It, it feels like a kind of noughties race still to me. It doesn't feel like it's been massively commercialized and it you know the track's pretty much the same it's still quite classic and with a lot of um non-tarmac runoff i think yeah it, it's just it, it it feels like a track where f1 comes first rather than kind of the f1 circus which i don't think there are really many of those and it, you know it's it's fantastic to see it retaining its position yeah Not it's really. a fantastic track um it's a honda owned track um so it's a shame that Honda aren't going to be able to compete on it um, in the next few years. But um, just, yeah, just Japan and Formula One just go so well together. And the fact that we've got another Japanese driving Formula One and an extended Japanese Grand Prix is just fantastic. Um, I think we can all agree with that. Um, 
few other another little calendar thing that I alluded to before we get onto the big one. Um, so um, if the Brazilian or Mexican Grand Prix don't go ahead, um, what alternatives are there? Nigel, you mentioned a Bahrain outer but, but, um, happening. Um, Daniel Ricciardo has floated the idea of doing two Australian Grand Prix, um, which is obviously a Grand Prix that missed out on its 2020 slot. So um, I don't know, as retribution, um, give it a second go. Um, maybe even we go somewhere completely different. I mean, we still haven't had any confirmation of what's taking the Canada slot, um, which is rumoured to be cancelled, but hasn't, I don't think anything official has been announced yet. So whether there's like Turkey is going to jump in or, or something like that around that point, there are um, lots and lots and lots and lots of possibilities. But what do you guys think is the best course of action? What do you want to happen? Adam? Nürburgring would be quite fun after we had a, a good race there last year. Hockenheim's another track I like. Malaysia isn't going to happen, but I like no, it. it. I, I, yeah, but I don't know. I've been hoping for that for the last six years <laughs> now. Um, I, I, I don't really feel like we need another Australian Grand Prix, to be honest. Like, you know, if you're talking about tracks who've lost out by COVID, former Q, um, and, you know, you mentioned Canada there that's going to miss out on two um, races by the looks of it. So, yeah, I think, I don't know, it, it, it feels like to me picking from the same list of um, substitute Grand Prix that we had last year of yeah. Bahrain after Turkey, Malaysia, yeah. Nürburgring, Hockenheim, Mugello maybe. Um, yeah, I think they're all seem like good options, to be honest. I don't, I, I do quite like the American leg in terms of, I think you've got mm. two fantastic tracks in terms of um, Cota and Brazil and Mexico is not bad, you know, it's middling, but it's, you know, no poor Ricard to me. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it'd be a shame to miss out on that, but there are definitely a lot of good tracks that all, that we could bring in. And, you know, I'm sure, I think I'd enjoy a race at any of the ones I've listed. Yeah. I mean, I, first of all, I hope that none of them get cancelled because I think we did miss that a little bit last year with the American beggars. Adam pointed out, but I think Adam is right. It is likely to be, one of the tracks that stepped in last year. Maybe Jerez might get a chance as well because it's a little bit warmer yeah. than German tracks. And I think there's a little bit of talk about that. Uh, but that's the only other one I can think of other than the ones Adam's mentioned there. Mm, it would be a little bit earlier. I think the US Grand Prix, which is the first one of that leg, is about two weeks after um, the Nürburgring slot mm. last year. Yeah. But, you know, but even so, just go there. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> when, whenever the Brazilian, Brazilian Grand Prix is, it's like mid-November. Go to Freddie had um, on um, two practice sessions that didn't happen, which was very <laughs> great. Time. Yeah. Um, I think Hamilton probably, didn't go fastest. I think probably one of the most likely would be, and what I probably would be most on board with, I would say, would be two coters. Um, just do coter twice. Um, I think that would be quite fun. Do Cota short, which isn't actually that short. Cota short, where it's just don't use the bits where you can race at. Um, <laughs> um, who knows? Maybe they'll do something like that. We don't know. Obviously, this is months away, and we're speculating on global COVID conditions um, and Mexico being a hospital. Um, so who knows? But we'll probably have more news on this in the future. Mm. And I mean, another... we did just on just finally on that is we. 
in our kind of dream calendar episode that we did in January, I think, yes. and mentioned to Road America and Indianapolis that I put forward Indianapolis, and I can't remember which one of you put forward Road America. So there are other tracks in America and FIA grade one tracks in America that could be used. So, yeah, but again, two coaches would be grand as well. There's an entire IndyCar series of tracks that could potentially be mooted, even though their IndyCar level of safety, not Formula One level of safety. But anyway, um, which is just a whole Bristol kettle of dirt. fish. I know it's not IndyCar, but Bristol dirt. <laughs> do it on dirt. Yeah, let's do an F1 dirt race. Um, the actual Grand Prix that we're going to talk about now is actually going ahead. It's another American track. It is the um, Formula One Miami Grand Prix. We're going to Miami. We've got, um, finally, after oh, yeah. years of discussion, a Miami track is happening, and Miami um, has been put on the calendar officially, a Miami race. And um, in sort of the first half of 2022, there's going to be a Miami Grand Prix. Mm. Well, it goes even further back than that, because there was a New York Grand Prix muted, so we finally got an American street circuit for the first time since the 80s. Um, and, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest, the track's not a looker. No. But... I, I think I, I put this on Twitter that I think any any track, bar some exceptions, any track with elevation, significant elevation changes automatically twice as good as a track, as a pan flat track, because there's only two ways that you can change a track. And one is the turns and one is going up and down. So that's my theory. But yeah, I don't know. Why have you got that theory? He likes Laguna Seca. Because... No. No, I didn't. Right. <laughs> Like there's two ways you can change the track, and one is going side to side, and one is going up and down. So if it doesn't have any up and down, then it's automatically yeah, half. What goes up or down doesn't make it a good track, does it? Does it does it improve racing? Does it like Yeah, it looks better. It's a better track to drive. It's got makes it a better spectacle to watch from one on board. Obviously, there are exceptions. Probably Silverstone being the main one. Canada's another one, but I think in general, if you think of great tracks on the calendar then most of them have got elevation changes i think just Monster, the layout of a track Singapore. makes a track the layout of a track just makes a track good we're going down a massive rabbit hole that we don't need <laughs> to go down but um um yeah i know what you mean adam about the track not being a looker it's a bit of a cross between sochi and vietnam that's the one that's been muted and those two <laughs> um what combination those two tracks have never been met with praise so um that's never good as a starter. Um, it's kind of, it's gone down the route of let's build a permanent circuit, but try and do it like a street circuit. And I don't know, it's not got much character to it. The character what to it is, is that it's in Miami. Why wouldn't you try and do a street circuit like a permanent circuit? <laughs> it's a really bizarre way to go around it. Like, yeah, it's, it's weird. Um, yeah, but like, as you just said, we have to give it a chance, don't we? We can't, can't judge it or anything. We've got to give it a chance. Yes, and we are. Um, yeah. I was, I was giving Vietnam a chance next, as well. But for the next we 10 years there. of this contract. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I think having the two races in America is massive because it's a big country. It's a big market for F1. And, you know, it's you, you're still kind of missing out the West Coast and the Northeast, which are massive population hubs in America, but the adding Florida in is a very different area and um, catchment to where, to Austin. So, and I guess, I don't know, 
we might have people coming in a bit from the Caribbean. Probably not actually, but Miami's um, had a had a has had a history of motorsport. There have been kart races there. There've been IndyCar races there until the early two thousands. Um, there was a Formula E race there that was a bit of a failure in twenty fifteen because it was around <laughs> um, because of um, Nico Prost won. And that, that says all you need to know. Um, <laughs> um, um, but um, they were still building the track before it started because of so many issues with Miami Miami City Commission. Um, and that's where the stumbling blocks have been for this Grand Prix. The original track that was also not great, to be honest, um, in terms of looking at it, went over a bridge, which looked cool, um, in the middle of Miami around the another stadium there. I want to say the NBA stadium there um, for that team um in miami i want to say miami, miami reds heat. heat heat miami heat um so it was going to go around that stadium and everyone was like no and then lots of people apparently got angry and were going to sue so then this hard rock stadium which is owned by the guy who was sort of trying to get for once miami is now put it in their estate of land which is kind of sort of not downtown city Miami, it's more like suburbs of Miami, um, which is, I don't know, um, if you've ever seen a Louis Theroux documentary, it seems like it's that kind of part of Miami rather than like the, or the, the cool US party. Yeah, it's not the party capital of Miami, it's, but it is, in the, it, is, it is in a stadium around there and everyone's going to get hard rock cafe caps. My, like Miami me. is a big, I think in terms of NFL, there are probably a few cities that can attract players based off the city and Miami is one of those. Um, and yeah, I think, I think two things, firstly, why do Americans call it downtown when it's not, it's like the center, like downtown should be away, you know, like down wind of the town or whatever. You, you go um, downtown. But it's stupid. Anyway. And it the is. second one is could <laughs> to, to add some elevation and could they put in like a Cooper Cape type, like tunnel in Jump. the sea. So like you go <laughs> so you kind of like do the track on land and then you kind of go down into this tube and just like race around on the seafloor like past lobsters and stuff and then come back up. Um other than that I've not really got much to add. Yeah like what see how see how it goes. I think you know that's what we should always do. But it you know it's kind of I don't know how much it will add. It feels a bit it feels a bit like the like maybe the Korean Grand Prix or something. I was like, oh, we're going to Korea, yay. And then it's like, oh, the racing. And I don't know, it feels a bit like it'll be kind of that. It'll be cool, you know, for the first time to be like, oh, we're at Miami and that'll be great. And then, you know, the racing potentially might not wow. But we'll see. Yeah. I, I always enjoy new venues anyway, really. Uh, yeah. Even if it looks, apart from one or two. Uh, but yeah. Which ones? I, I what was that? Which ones? I think we all agree on the ones if we see it at the same time. Well, don't, don't try that. Saudi Arabia. Yes, that's yeah. one of them. <laughs> and the other one? Spring qualifying. Turkey, <laughs> Abu Dhabi, Bahrain. Russia. Russia. Yeah, Sochi. Yeah. I thought it was Saudi and Arabia. Who knows? Yeah. Well, Arabia. Apart from them. Yeah. What have you got? Is it Arabia? <laughs> yeah um yeah it's stuff. you're right we've got to give it a go and who knows we're, crazy races like we've seen in imola can't necessarily be dictated by the track they can be dictated by um external circumstances and like you look at the first baku race it was so boring but then the next one was massively exhilarating so we could go there and have some 
cracking races and some awful races and you get that with every track you mentioned Silverstone earlier Nigel how it was so boring last year when Silverstone in previous years has been absolutely brilliant so there's just going to be a case of on the day um yeah, but I'm excited I think I think like Adam said the, expanding the American market is the right thing to do particularly with the Netflix generation and if they do it early um in the year then they can really get some hype from Drive to Survive in ticket sales if they say oh here's series four of Drive to Survive and then, oh, look at this, the Miami Grand Prix is happening in three months' time and we've got tons of tickets for it, then you will get a lot of people saying, oh, yeah, let's do that, especially if they match it with spring break, then, yeah, fantastic. Right. Uh, they'll probably do it around Canada time um, and do what they did with the old Indy Grand Prix, um, sort of have one week you've got Canada, one week you've got Miami. And I just think that's, that's for, from, a, from a business perspective, that's a really, really, really good idea. I think I'm brave for Daniel Ricciardo kind of walking around Miami as that because he he seems to be kind of the most I guess, I guess maybe Lewis but probably Lewis more five years ago um, seemed to be the most Americanized drivers so yeah I can, I'm kind of braced for that and that oh by the way there's tickets on sale um, can't wait to see Will Smith start the race and the, the other thing is kind of I wish they could make the stadium more of a like feature. Because I think just having going around it, like, you know, the stadium itself, like, it's a good stadium, but it's not really striking to look at from the outside. I think something like Azerbaijan do with the castle section, kind of, or, or Mexico with their stadium section, is that it feels like part of the part of the circuit. And I, I think it would benefit from doing something like that, because that would give it something different. Like Sochi goes around the um, Winter Olympic Park, but that, you know, it, it doesn't have that much effect i don't know i, I think that would be a way to go around it and the other thing is like from the onboards i don't know how much um kind of thought they put into the renderings about um the atmosphere and the stands but there didn't seem to be that many like yeah. i don't know it's like zandvoort or something you can really there seems to be a lot of area like oh yeah and you're going to a fan bit now whereas it felt a bit more like abu dhabi where it's just like oh and there's a stand and there's another stand I, don't know. I imagine that will come with time um mm. we don't know i mean um we don't know the dates we don't know the correspondence with the nfl season um but um they could maybe have such a like a super fan zone in the stadium um we know how how fantastic american fan engagement is and if you've got that stadium packed with people um when the session's not on you get full-on drivers coming into the session like speaking to everyone and then going back and then these people leave the stadium and go to watch the race at the track then that could be a really novel idea or you just have it as like like a like a fan shopping center not a fan village like a fan city inside the stadium and that kind of thing i mean track going through it yeah all that i mean that'd be fantastic yeah and they did that um in 2017, the Race of Champions um, was, at a, was at a stadium in Miami. It wasn't at this stadium. It was at the, I've just looked it up, it was the Marlins Park Baseball Stadium um, in Miami. And that, that series, I mean, it's, it's gone a bit dead a bit recently, but that's proved that um, you can go to a stadium that's primarily a grass stadium and build a racetrack in it temporarily. That's a good little track. So, yeah, and get Pascal Verlaine to roll over. Yeah, missed two races and give Antonio Giovinazzi <laughs> yeah. his debut. Um, I mean, it's but yeah, not... it's possible to do a temporary track. I mean, it all depends on the date of this this race. Adam, you know more about when the NFL season is on a downturn. Um, so if, if it's in May, then that would be perfect. The NFL season's like 
September to December or start of January unless you make the playoffs. So there's mm. lots of scope to get it in around that. I mean, Speedway, I know it's not the same because it's an oval, but Speedway takes over the um, Principality Stadium in Cardiff and just completely turns that into a dirt track rather than a rugby pit. So, yeah, I think I really, I really hope because I think if they can make something of that, that will add character to the circuit. That will be kind of something you can put a finger on. It's like, oh, yeah, Miami Grand Prix, that's got the race going through the middle of the packed stadium. I think that would be fantastic. I think you're right. And I think with time will come changes and hopefully with um, we can have some really interesting times in Miami. It'd be great. It's a really cool place for Formula 1 to be. So moving on to another, I think, quite cool place for Formula 1 to be, which is the Autodromo International de Algarve. We have the Portuguese Grand Prix this weekend, which we're previewing in this podcast. We haven't got much time left. Um, so we're going to talk about the big news that's going what to that, and that is... I haven't got much time left. I'm looking at my clock of life. Um, like the IT crowd episode. Yeah, exactly. Like the IT crowd. My phone's going to buzz and I'm going to have a heart attack. Um, but um, moving on to less dark topics. Callum Eilot is going to do an FP1. Woohoo! He mm. was, Adam's already alluded to the Nürburgring rained off sessions earlier um, in this episode. And that was when Callum Eilot was due to do a practice session with the Haas Formula 1 team as a Ferrari junior. Um, and now, after doing a few um, out-of-season tests with Ferrari and Alfa Romeo, he's going to be doing a FP1 session with Alfa Romeo at the Portuguese Grand Prix, um, as he is now their second reserve driver when Robert Kubica isn't there. He's Robert Kubica's reserve driver, um, essentially. So, <laughs> Callum Eilot, hooray! Yeah, it's good. I'm happy for him. I think it's... Or Kalumi Lot, as he could do if he wanted to partner with a Halumi brand. Um, but until that day comes, yeah, I it just felt really gutting, like that he didn't get a chance to go on the Nurburgring weekends because being able to do, be, uh, uh, Freddie's laughing and now just Kalumi. I mean, where the hell yeah. did that come from? You're right, it is gutting. Carry on. Um, yeah. I, that's just such a, you know, like even if he never makes it to F1 as a full-time driver, just being able to have raced on a weekend is, you know, something special and that he'll always be able to remember. And it's different from doing post-season tests or tyre tests or whatever. So really happy that he's got the chance to do that. And he's better than some of the drivers we've had on F1 weekend in the last few years. So, yeah, happy, happy that he gets to do it. I mean, what does it mean? Probably not that much in terms of... Um, it won't affect Alfa Romeo's weekend too much and, you know, it probably won't affect his F1 career too much unless he bins it on the first corner. So, yeah. but, you know, it's, let's just be be happy for that. And it's another Brit in F1, which we've not got enough of, or we've not had enough of over F1's history. Been a big dearth of British drivers. Yeah. Landon Norris is only the 700th podium for a British driver, so we haven't had enough. Um, Nigel, what do you think about Callum? Oh, not. That last question... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, yes. like I, I guess I guess that's a good thing, I guess, but it's not really anything major to me, to be honest. Cool. Okay, so <laughs> um, moving on to something that's major to Nigel. Um, last year's Portuguese Grand Prix was one of the races where Rebel, well, Max Verstappen was pretty close to the um, two Mercedes drivers on a track which um, is just a normal track in what you'd think. So, predictions. Um, do we have any possibility of knowing what's going to happen this weekend? Looking at the other two weekends, I think yes. not, but 
Adam does. Go, Adam. Tell us what's going to happen. Mercedes and Red Bull are going to still be a decent margin ahead of everyone else. Tell us more specifically in terms of positions and seconds. Two temps is not that much of a margin, is it? <laughs> no, but no. I mean, it's, I don't think they'll be challenging them for the win, is what I mean. Um, oh. I mean, that. yeah, that's that's what I think will happen. In going deeper than that, I kind of didn't prepare for that. But um, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I'll, I'll predict Hamilton. I think Hamilton's going to win the race. I think it's going to be that back and forth over the season. And... Yeah, I think he's he's had a bad weekend, but I don't think he'll kind of double up on that, and you know, I think he'll get the most out of what what he can make from the weekend in the car, the way the car's set up, and all of that. And it, it still feels like we don't really know in terms of mm. um, kind of relating to last season. There seems to be a big change in the relative strength and weaknesses of the Red Bull in turn um, and Mercedes, as well as the kind of absolute gap between them. So. Yeah, it's just another kind of data point, really. Um, it will probably, I don't know whether it will give us a hint of how Barcelona will look um, the next round after because they are a bit more similar to each other. But yeah, are we doing official predictions now? Or I mean, I, I just want to say, I think the next couple of weeks are going to be crucial because, yes, Verstappen was a bit close last year, but how to romped away with one of the best, one of his best drives of, of the Sites season. was close at one point. He was, he was in the lead, wasn't he, after the wet, chaotic start on the new track surface, which, on the new track surface, which is still quite new. We'll see how uh, that changes things this year. Uh, but yeah, Mercedes and Red Bull were very, uh, sorry, Mercedes were very good in Portugal and especially Spain last year and throughout the turbo hybrid era in Spain. So I think if Red Bull do have an advantage or can match them uh, at the next two weekends because it's back-to-back. I think that sets Red Bull up very nicely for the rest of the season. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think looking at the pace from so far, the middle sectors, Red Bull had a slight advantage in Imbola and Bahrain, which are both the twistiest parts of, of those tracks. So it suggests Red Bull still have a slight advantage in the high-speed corners. But then again... Mercedes looks to have an advantage with the tyre wear, but then Verstappen looks faster in qualifying or Red Bull. So I think it's one of those cases where Verstappen and Perez might look out the front row or Verstappen might be on pole position, but then I think Hamilton might have a slight advantage in the race, uh, which is exciting. I think just to jump on that, I'd I'd say the opposite. I think if Mercedes are with Red Bull or close to Red Bull, that would probably be a win for them. I don't know. If it, it feels like kind of coming into the season and at Bahrain, then Red Bull seemed to be kind of clearly faster. I think, I don't know. It, it seemed to me that they looked the stronger team and with all the momentum. So I think if, um, if Mercedes are like level pegging with them over the next two weekends, I'd spin that as a win for them because yeah, in Bahrain they won. Stronger. So I, I think, think in Bahrain they were. I think Red need an advantage going into the summer. But I think in Bahrain, Mercedes kind of won through the strategy and through Hamilton just pulling out a worldie. Whereas, you know, they were clearly the slower car there. So I think it still kind of remains to be seen where they're at. I don't know. That's that's how I view it. But there were some kind of strategy conversations last time out, whether it would be a one stop or a two stop. We don't know. Um in Portugal, that is. 
We don't know at all what the situation is going to be now. Um, Nigel says the track service is relatively new still. Um, and yeah, we're going to kind of figure that out as it as it comes, as it goes. And I think that's the same for the whole thing. Probably most of the races of the season, we don't know who's going to be on top, but it's likely to be um, Hamilton and Verstappen who are both on top. So I'm going to say that um, it's going to be both of them. Um, from a statistic, a statistics point of view, it would be nice to see Hamilton take his 100th pole at the track where he officially took the all-time win record, if that makes sense. It's a good track for him in that regard. So it'd be nice to see him take his 100th pole this weekend. But um, I really won't be upset if he doesn't take pole and we have an interesting race and all of that. So It feels like that won't happen just because... Yeah, I don't know. It, it just feels like one of those things that, like, you know, there's not F1 gods, but there just seems to be these when everything's set up for something to go one way often. It doesn't. Um, I think I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it a lot more, more because of the way that Mercedes and Rebel are so close than I thought I would be when it got announced. I wasn't really a fan of last year's race. So when it got kind of, when it was mooted over the winter, I was thinking, oh, great, you know, I'm not massively hyped about that but the you know lots changed since then and the season being the way it is or the way it's gone so far I think it is I'm really excited to see again it you know and it's another new track it's different significantly yeah. different to Imola and Bahrain so it's you know I think after these races we'll have a big um big you know, knowledge yeah yeah um, just like oh. Yeah, I was just going to make my last point on the track. Like, the, like Adam says, they are very different to Bahrain and Imola because you're, you're turning for a, a lot longer. The, the, the radius of the corners is a lot longer than Bahrain and, and, and Imola. So, uh, but yeah, we might see a difference there between Red Bull and Mercedes as Freddie <laughs> turns around the moon. Uh, so, and also we're going to see the C1 tyre. I know tires. Wow! So that maybe maybe Mercedes might have uh, some kind of advantage there. Perhaps we'll see. The C1 tire, the cone, that would be amazing. Um, <laughs> so um, yes, I'm going to get you to do some random predictions. Who's going to be 13th in the race? Nigel. Alonso. Adam. Vettel, which would probably be a good race for him. <laughs> I was going to say Vettel as well, so I will now you change that now. to Kimi Raikkonen. Um, who is going to be fourth? Adam. Perez. Bottas. I'm going to say Leclerc. Um, and who is going to be second? Nigel. Hamilton. Adam. Reikkonen, no. <laughs> Verstappen. I will say Bottas. Um, for some reason, just to be different. Um, and that's Rebel all you're Norris getting, finish. folks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Norris finish. Um, fifth, third, oh. Adam, sixth. Okay, there we go. Those are some predictions we'll forget. And now we're going to move on to something everyone's been waiting for. I've been waiting for it. Adam, have you been waiting for it? Yes, I've been Nigel, counting down you... the days. I've had an Nigel. advent calendar type quiz calendar thing. Nigel, have you been giving Adam chocolate for his advent calendar? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. How whimsical. Um, we did a quiz um, prior to the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix 
um, in which Nigel only prepared two questions. So it was a draw <laughs> um, so, between Adam and I. So since then, it's been decided there's going to be a decider. And seeing as this podcast has gone on for long enough, the fact that it's a one decider question kind of makes sense because this podcast is already overshot in terms of time because we had so much to talk about and we've talked about it really well. Thank you very much for listening. Um, so we're now going to do this big decider question. Nigel, over to you. Thank you very much, Freddie Coates. It is the decider of the third, second, third, second round of the quiz. And the topic, the same format as last time, because that's how it worked really well. The you just explain the is, format to the viewers. We sure, that's a good idea. So basically, <laughs> Freddie and Adam take turns to say an answer to the topic, and they're both going to get three lives. Um, oh, cool. I uh, thought we were going to do sudden death. No, I'll give you three lives, and then when you run out of lives, that's it. You want those shots. So let's get on with it. Uh, what topics are you, do you kind of want, apart from F1? Apart from F1? What? Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. Premiership rugby, NFL will probably take to my strengths, <laughs> history of Preston, Rico Arena, history of Wasps. Oh, I've got objects on my ties. desk. I've got line of duty, actually. No, I've, I've got list of red flagged Formula One races. Oh, so, wow. since on Sunday, not on Sunday, a couple of weeks ago, Max Verstappen uh, won in Imola, didn't he? And there was a red flag. And there's been quite a few red flagged races in F1. In fact, there have been, let me find it because I've not wrote it down. I think there's been like 74 or something, but I can't remember. Anyway, right, there's been well, quite let's get on with this. <laughs> so I want Freddie and Adam to name the winners of a race that's been red flagged in F1. So who wants to start? Verstappen. Hamilton. Rosberg. Vettel. Gasly. That's very good. Yeah, thank you. Vettel's only won one red flags race, you know. That's quite that's quite incredible. Is that the Monaco one? Um it was the Monaco one, yeah. One of my favourite Monaco races ever. Uh Button. Yes. Canada. No, not Canada. Malaysia. Yeah, Canada. Canada. And Malaysia. Yeah. Ricardo. Yeah. Yeah. Azerbaijan. Prost. Alan Prost. Nico. Oh. <laughs> Alan Prost, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the second Nico me. Prost re- reference in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Alonso. Uh, yes, Alonso. Yeah, now they're from 2007. Um, oh. I think some red flag races. Damn. Uh, part, Damon part Hill, the challenge. Yep, Damon Hill. Quite a few times, actually. Shumi. Yep, Michael Schumacher, loads yeah. of times as well. Mika Hakkinen. Oh, Mika Hakkinen is not on the list. Damn. Okay, one life down. Um, all right, I've got to come up with another one now, don't I? Are we doing it like that? Yeah. Or yeah. Do it like okay. That. Although I suppose you have the advantage now, Adam, if you want to go. 
Um, do I? I don't know. I, don't I know that it's not hacking then. Yes, exactly. I guess that's so do advantage. I. <laughs> um, be great if I said hacking again. Um, Mario Andretti. Uh, sorry. This is a massive well, point. No. So 1976 Fuji wasn't red flagged. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, oh, damn and blast. Um, it's not a driver. Go away and try not to swear. Um, <laughs> Kimi Raikkonen. What's that? Kimi Raikkonen? Yeah. Uh, I'm not convinced by it. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't. He's not one one. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah. So that no, that no, that ended quite quickly, quick, more quick than I thought. Uh, Adam, do you want to see how many you can get with your three lives? Um. Yeah. Okay. Senna <laughs> would be the standard. Uh. Yeah. Senna. Yeah. Um, and then there was was the Fisichella Brazil win. So I go Fisichella. Oh. Yeah, very good answer. Yeah, yeah. very um, good. Herbert, because of the crazy race he won for Stewart. Yeah, was that race red flagged? Nineteen ninety five Italy. Oh, that one. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, not Stewart. Yeah, not still. <laughs> um. I think that kind of brings me to the end. So now I'll just go through names. Um, Villeneuve. That's what I was doing. Which Villeneuve? Jacques. Jacques Villeneuve. Yes. Okay. Um, Which I'll just, I guess, run through. Um, Mansell. Yes. PK. PK, yes, as well. <laughs> On a roll. Um, Freddie attempts to signal his boredom with proceedings. Um, louder. Do I? Oh, I didn't mean to. I thought you were yawning. I thought you were stretching. Yeah, louder's one. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is very impressive. Go with the Freddie uh, Alan Jones tactic. Say Alan Jones. <laughs> yes. Uh... Yes. Nineteen eighty a Canadian Grand Prix. Why the hell did I say Mario Andretti? Oh, you have These no idea. All... I think Adam's cheating. <laughs> I don't think he is. I think he's just saying names in it. Yeah, nice. is. <laughs> um, um okay. Peroni. Didier Peroni. Uh, I guess Nigel will feedback on whether he is. No. Okay. I thought he caused um, one of the main red flags when he broke both his legs. Um, Dizzy Peroni. He should have won the championship that year. Mm. Um, well, Gilles Villeneuve should have won the championship that year. Gilles Villeneuve. <laughs> yep, Gilles Villeneuve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His name drivers. Okay. Mark Webber. No. Mark is not, so. no. No, he's only won like nine Grand Prix. Frenson? 
Old France and ninety nine France, wasn't that or not? Mm. No. Okay. Up and that's free large there, Adam. Uh, yep. Do you want to know the rest that you yeah. might have well, said? Like, or might it's have like forty five or something, isn't it? Um, yeah. So you said uh, Ralph Schumacher was one. Two thousand one Germany. Here's what David I meant when Coulthard. I said Schumi. <laughs> yeah. David Coulthard on a couple of occasions. Oh, of course. Uh, and, uh, Thierry Bootson, 1989 Australia, said Prost, said Mansell, said Lauda. Did you say PK? Yeah, he yeah. said PK. Yeah. Uh, John Boxen in Detroit, 1982. Carlos Reutemann in 1981, Belgium. Oh, I said him in the last. Oh, that's annoying. Jacques, Lat- Jacques Lafitte in 79, oh, Argentina. Roddy Peterson. Yeah. James Hunt, Vitti. Oh, of course, Vitti. James Hunt, British Grand Prix 1976. Didn't yeah. he get stripped of that though? Not in that. He no, but they stated it. Yeah. Did they? Yeah. yeah. Uh, technically, Vittorio, you shouldn't. Have got it. Oh, sorry, Vittorio, Vittorio Brambier, yeah. Emerson Fittipaldi, Jochen Mass, Peter Revson, Jackie Stewart, and Johnny Parsons. That was the Indy 500. That kind of count. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, those are the drivers. I couldn't. I couldn't remember how far they went back. That was kind of why I stopped at the eighties because I couldn't. Yeah, well, you always take the a part. Second red they flag just... was in nineteen seventy-one. So before nineteen seventy-one, there was only one, and that's the yeah. IndyCar one then, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the five hundred one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I kind of, I didn't want to, I didn't want to kind of go too far back. But well, no, I, was I was just trying famous. to think. I was just trying to think of famous wet races, really. Um, <laughs> Because that's you know more often than not if there's a famous wet race. But then like then again, once we got Verstappen, Hamilton, and Rosberg out of the way, like the ones I remember from 2016, it's Rosberg, Melbourne, Rosberg in Belgium, um, yeah. Hamilton at Brazil. Star. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like Hamilton at Bahrain. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that. Well done, Adam. Um, I don't know, I guess that worthwhile point. The lead. Yeah. Come December, wow. Um, yeah. Next time it will be Adam versus Nigel. I'll write a quiz for that one. I'll come up with maybe an Espana. interesting format for the Espana Barcelona Grande Prix. Um, it's not what it's called and it's not how no. it sounds. Um, so, yeah, so we'll be back to uh, review the Portuguese Grand Prix, the Grande Premio of Heineken in Portugal. Um, we will hopefully be telling you of another really interesting battle between Red Bull and Mercedes. And judging by our complete inability to determine which car will be fastest, it seems more than likely that that will be the case. One of them will win. Who will it be? Adam or Nigel? We don't know. Um, Neither of them will probably win the Grand Prix, but Nigel just pointed at me for some reason. So, So I'll take it. I'm going to fly to Portugal now. Um, thanks very much for uh, listening or watching this podcast. Um, you can find us all on our social medias. We are, I am at FredCoats1999 on Twitter. Adam is at AdamDickinson01. Nigel is at NigelCJourno. Um, we all spout rubbish on there, um, particularly Nigel. So go and give us uh, a follow <laughs> where we will also bait Nigel out some more um, we've got our group Twitter account which is at winging it F1 where we will also bully Nigel 
and you can get in on the act as well. If you write a tweet, pack <laughs> him in it for no apparent reason and see what happens, it won't be that interesting. So um, thanks for watching on YouTube or listening on Spotify, iTunes, ACAS, Google Podcasts, or somewhere else somehow. Um, we hope to see you again next time. Goodbye, my friends.